1: Tonight, the Russian backlash as fighting rages in Ukraine, but the sheer grit and bravery of Ukrainians gives hope the country can defeat Vladimir Putin's siege. Rocket attacks enter a sixth day as peace talks between Russia and Ukraine end with no ceasefire. But the world unites, isolating Putin, even taking Russian vodka off the shelves and making the ruble worth less than a penny. What President Biden said when asked if Americans should be worried about nuclear war. Ukraine's humanitarian crisis. The journey for more than half a million refugees. And tonight, the unknown number of civilian deaths, including the heartbreaking story of this six-year-old girl. All the blood is on Mr. Putin's hands. Masks in schools. New York, California, and Oregon, just the latest to drop school mask mandates. We sit down with moms who say they've gotten decision fatigue about how to keep their kids safe. Dangerous climate report why one scientist is describing the 3,800 pages as a warning your house is on fire. The threat to America's power grid 60 minutes exposes the vulnerability of U.S. infrastructure. And an 11-year-old New Jersey surfer who's raising money one wave at a time.
2: This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell reporting from the nation's capital.
1: Good evening. As we start a new consequential week together, the whole world is waiting, watching with concern about what happens next in Ukraine. Tonight, President Biden was asked directly, should Americans be worried about nuclear war? The president telling our CBS's Nancy Cordes, no. But Vladimir Putin is increasingly isolated. Look today again, sitting alone at one end of a long table, far away from even his own advisors. And today, with more than half a million refugees leaving their homes in Ukraine, we are reminded about the cost of war and the impact on families and especially children. The tears that fell down this young boy's cheeks after leaving his father, who was fighting in Kyiv, or these beautiful newborn twin boys sleeping tonight in a bomb shelter. And these children trying to survive not just cancer, but also Putin's war of choice. Well, tonight, Vladimir Putin is under investigation for possible war crimes. Russian forces are still battling to take over Ukraine's biggest cities, but they are meeting stiff resistance. The two sides sat down for their first face-to-face talks in Belarus. The only thing agreed on was to meet again. We have team coverage, and CBS's Charlie Daggett will start us off tonight from Kyiv. Good evening, Charlie.
3: Good evening, Nora. That's right. Tonight, Russia is accused of war crimes. Ukraine's U.N. ambassador is accusing Russia of using thermobaric bombs, one of the most devastating weapons short of nuclear weapons. It's a violation of international law and escalates this conflict to an unthinkable level. Ukraine's demand for an immediate ceasefire went ignored this evening, with Russian artillery opening up around Kyiv. And tonight, worrying developments that Russian troops are tightening the noose. Satellite images reveal a 17-mile-long Russian military convoy headed to Kyiv, now less than 20 miles outside the capital. Ukrainian forces are hitting back everywhere they can. The defense ministry releasing drone footage striking another convoy in southern Ukraine. The interior ministry says multiple Russian missile strikes in a residential neighborhood in the second largest city of Kharkiv killed dozens of civilians. As the attacks escalate, so too does the civilian death toll. Emergency teams race to save the life of a six-year-old girl injured by Russian shelling while shopping for groceries with her parents. Her frantic mother can only watch on. Despite their best efforts, they were unable to save her. Bracing for an onslaught, residents in the capital took advantage when officials lifted the curfew in place since Saturday to stock up on food and supplies. Considering this is a city under siege, the mood remains remarkably calm here. People are buying, but they're not panic buying. They're stocking up, but they're not stockpiling. No one knows how long the food or fighting will last.
0: It's definitely scary. On the other hand, we are very hopeful because we have support from all over the world, uh, emotionally, financially, in
2: military forces.
3: Support from volunteers, too. A mass production line of Molotov cocktails today loaded onto a truck to hand out to forces around the city. Tonight, mothers and children will huddle together in the shelter at the city's Children's Hospital, trying to provide some comfort to the most vulnerable. President Zelensky has made a late night address and he is pointing the finger directly at President Putin, blaming him for what he called a brutal attack on Kharkiv today. He's asking the world to enforce a no-fly zone over Ukraine. Nora?
1: Charlie Daggett for us. Thank you. Well, the United Nations estimates that more than half a million people have already fled Ukraine. Women and children fill the long lines of cars and buses at border checkpoints, with Poland hoping to escape danger. CBS's Chris Livesay is in the western Ukrainian city
2: of Lviv. For more than 20 miles, Ukrainians wait in the freezing cold for days, longing to reach safety across the border in Poland. It's an exodus that recalls Europe's darkest times, and it's only the beginning. At Lviv's main train station in western Ukraine, thousands are trying desperately to get out. So you left your father in Ukraine to fight? Yes. I love my country. This Russia it's bad country. But not everyone can run. Men of fighting age must stay, like 18-year-old medical student Yaroslav, possibly facing the front line. Must. If I must go, I, I will go. Did you ever imagine you'd be faced with something no. like this? No, I... I, I... It's like a nightmare. A nightmare shattering millions of lives. Even those who escape the invasion don't escape unscathed. And these scenes aren't limited to the border with Poland. Virtually every one of Ukraine's European neighbors is taking in refugees. And we're now learning the EU fears more than 7 million people could eventually be displaced. Nora?
1: Just stunning, Chris Livesay. Thank you. Well, tonight, there are increasing signs that Vladimir Putin's invasion could be backfiring, not just because of punishing sanctions from the U.S. and our allies, but two Russian oligarchs are reportedly calling on Putin to end the war. And today, the Russian ruble fell to a record low and is now worth less than a penny. CBS's Nancy Cordes has more on the fallout.
0: Call it financial shock and awe. Standard & Poor's cut Russia's credit rating to junk status today after the Treasury Department froze U.S. assets held by Russia's central bank, driving the value of the ruble down by 30 percent. As Russians made a run on ATMs, President Putin called an emergency meeting with economic advisors where he slammed the West as an empire of lies. But the Kremlin's chief spokesman admitted the economic reality has considerably changed. Across the world, stores and bars are removing Russian vodka from the shelves. FedEx and UPS suspended shipments to Russia. And most of Europe has now closed its airspace to Russian planes, turning Moscow's airport into a ghost town. This Aeroflot flight from Moscow to New York was forced to turn back last night, unable to traverse Iceland's airspace. Even the Swiss, famed for their neutrality, said today they would freeze Russian assets. The sports world is responding, too, banning the Russian team from soccer's World Cup, even stripping black belt Vladimir Putin of his status as honorary president of the International Judo Foundation. Putin has been confounded by our collective response. That is why he is resorting to more and more extreme rhetoric. Today, President Biden dismissed Putin's nuclear threats. Mr. President, should Americans be worried about nuclear war? No. Perhaps, but late today, the administration announced it was expelling 12 Russian diplomats, accusing them of engaging in, quote, espionage activities the suspected spies have until next week, Nora, to leave the country.
1: Nancy Cordes at the White House. You can hear the protest. Thank you. Well, tonight we want to show you pictures of the Capitol head of tomorrow's State of the Union address. Non-scalable fences are back up, and it comes as the first criminal trial from the insurrection got underway here in Washington. 49-year-old Guy Reffitt of Texas is charged with carrying a gun as he entered the U.S. Capitol grounds. He's also accused of threatening his own children if they turned him in. Well, this trial could be a bellwether for the several hundred other Capitol riot cases that are still to come. So we'll watch that. Let's turn now to the COVID pandemic because California, Oregon, and Washington state say they're no longer going to require school children to wear masks under new policies. That's starting next week. New York is doing the same this week, leaving mask mandates up to local school districts. So in tonight's Unifying America, we spoke with four Virginia moms who have different views about masks in school, but all agree parenting during a pandemic is difficult. Has this pandemic felt like one difficult choice after another for you? Yes, it absolutely has. And I I think parents have a lot of decision fatigue at this point, because in addition to everything you're supposed to be doing normally, you're also supposed to now make a choice on whether or not your kid wears masks. Raise your hands if your child will still wear a mask. Why will they still wear masks? It's a pretty easy decision for us. The classrooms
0: are crowded and we know that the school buildings aren't very well ventilated. I asked my kids, would you like to continue to wear a mask if that's an option? They're like, Mom, of course. When I did tell my daughter about the uh, mask mandate being lifted, um, her first response right away was, do I have to take off my mask? And we said, no, it's your choice. And she said, yeah, I don't feel safe taking off my mask right now. We have had, you know, been around families unmasked pretty much most of this time. I think my child has come through this uh, very well because of it in a lot of ways. Um, He is extremely excited to be able to not wear a mask at school.
4: So my oldest daughter is in a small parochial school and she chose to keep wearing a mask. She says she doesn't want people to see her face. And she has said she doesn't want to get COVID again. She's had it um, and she doesn't want to give it to anybody else. Those are reasons, um, but they give me some pause as a parent in terms of how much she's carrying for feeling like she's responsible for other people getting or not getting a virus. Public
1: spaces like restaurants and businesses have been mask optional in many places, while schools have had mask mandates. We asked the moms what they thought about that.
0: That doesn't bother me because public school is an essential public function. And it's also something that ties every single family in our community together. For some reason, we've decided that school is this only place that kids aren't allowed freedom and flexibility. To me, it's um, become so normal. My kids would be just as freaked out about taking off their seatbelt while I was driving as they would be to take off their masks indoors.
4: We're two years into this and I think that things have changed dramatically. Um, We have a widely available vaccine. We have high quality masks that kids can wear if they choose to protect themselves. And I think that things are just much different. You all have different opinions on this, but can you see that what you have in common
1: is that you are all trying to make the best decisions for your families.
0: Oh, absolutely. These are not easy things. Well, I think I'm probably in a very different place <laughs> than is. I absolutely respect and completely understand where she's coming from. I think one thing that we have in common is the amount of stress that it's placed on parents.
4: The pandemic isolated all of us from each other too. So all of these conversations are not happening organically at the soccer field or the PTA meeting. You can't have a side conversation and realize that you do have some common ground.
1: Well, as a parent myself, I think we can all agree that parenting during the pandemic has been stressful and challenging. And let's see what changes in the weeks ahead. Well, tonight, the nation's intelligence agencies are warning of cyber threats from Russia and are urging U.S. critical infrastructure defenses to be reinforced. As CBS's Bill Whitaker reported on Sunday night's 60 Minutes, it wouldn't take much to throw the entire country
5: into darkness. The grid is a sprawling target. There are actually three in the U.S. The eastern, western, and Texas has its own. Most of us rarely notice substations. There are 55,000 across the country, each housing transformers, the workhorses of the grid. Inside these massive metal boxes, raw electricity is converted to higher or lower voltages. Should a transformer explode, like this one in Manhattan during Superstorm Sandy, the system is designed to trigger a localized grid-preserving blackout, But if several sections of the grid go down at the same time, the shutdowns can cascade like dominoes. That's what set off the great Northeast blackout in 2003, leaving 45 million Americans without power. A few months before the assault on Metcalf, John Wellinghoff of FERC commissioned a study to see if a physical attack on critical transformers could trigger cascading blackouts. It was actually a very shocking result to us that there's very few number of substations you need to take out uh, in the entire United States to knock out the entire grid. Knock out the entire grid? That's correct. How many would it take to knock out putting the entire country in a blackout? Less than 20.
1: And Bill Whitaker joins us now. So Bill, just 20 substations to knock out the entire system? I mean, that's unbelievable, but your reporting is it could be even less than that.
5: That's right, Nora. That report was from 2013, and it actually found the number was even lower, nine. Taking out just nine critical substations could black out the whole country. We were told by multiple sources that the number has not changed much, that less than 20 is a fair assessment.
1: Well, what can the government do or anybody do about this?
5: Spend money and spend it on two things. One, to increase the capacity of these high-powered transmission lines so you decrease their vulnerability to large-scale blackouts. That's already happening through the administration's new infrastructure bill. And two, invest in better security. But that's not happening right now. Remember, the country's 3,000 power companies are in the business of selling electricity, not national security. And this last point is really important because the threat is real. Just last week, three white supremacists pleaded guilty to plotting to attack power grids throughout the country. And they had a plan to hit critical substations simultaneously to cause a massive blackout.
1: Quite scary. Bill Whitaker, thank you. Of course. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. An important but grim UN report released today warns the world of the deadly consequences of global warming. The study says nearly half of the Earth's population live in areas highly vulnerable to climate change, with coastlines, farms and cities especially at risk. Scientists say there's still hope that some of the worst can be prevented, but that the world needs to act fast. All right. Officials in Massachusetts are investigating the cause of a scary accident where a tractor trailer carrying U.S. mail went flying into the Charles River over the weekend. It was all captured on surveillance video. The driver, who couldn't swim, was rescued and most of the mail was retrieved from the river. It's just hard to believe. The pandemic has forced kids around the world to come up with creative ways to pass the time. And while some kids are hanging around the house, one New Jersey boy is hanging 10. And he's doing it for a good cause. Here's CBS's Meg Oliver.
6: Despite freezing temperatures, 11-year-old Carter Dorley is on a mission. How many days in a row did you want to surf? 100. And then after 100, it turned into? 150, 200. More than 600 days later. You don't care that it's freezing cold? Uh-uh. Not a nor'easter, even a blizzard, has stopped him from trying to surf a thousand days straight off the Jersey Shore. If you look at Atlantic City, a lot of people have lost their job and... We we'll put on the street, so I want to try to help them and give back. It's giving to them. Carter Tuesday. is giving back Tuesday. with every wave he catches. I was gonna serve a dollar for every wave, so I thought I was gonna make thirty, around fifty. I ended up making about three hundred dollars. Three hundred dollars, mm, which surprised me <laughs> a lot. That was the beginning. Since then, Carter has donated thousands of dollars to local shelters and global nonprofits like SurfAid, which helps supply clean drinking water to remote areas of the world. Made me feel awesome. Now he is asking for random acts of kindness. It'll show that there's very, like, good people in the world still helping and giving back to their community, too. So. Meg Oliver, CBS News, Brigantine, New
1: Jersey. There are so many good people in the world. Tomorrow night, join us for CBS News coverage of the State of the Union address and the Republican response. It kicks off at 8 p.m. Eastern on our streaming network first. Then we're going to continue on our broadcast network at 9 p.m. Eastern. So we hope you can join us. That's tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in our nation's capital as we pray for peace in Ukraine. Good night.
2: If you enjoy tuning in to the CBS Evening News, there are official t-shirts, hats, mugs, and more available for purchase at ParamountShop.com. These products are perfect for any fan of Evening News, and you can take 20% off with code EVENING20. That's 20% off all CBS Evening News products
5: with code EVENING20 at ParamountShop.com.